Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. There's a valley outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna. We know from biblical records and uh, ex-biblical records, including the, the, the book of Jeremiah, that it was in this valley that some of the wicked kings of Judah, including Ahaz, actually sacrificed children by fire to the Canaanite gods uh, or Seraphonician gods, uh, Molech and Tanit. Because of this unthinkable act of false worship, uh, this valley was considered cursed and became the literal garbage pit and grave for the wicked of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the rabbi David Kumi from the 1200s maintained that uh, it was in this loathsome valley at the time of the New Testament that fires were kept perpetually burning in order to consume the filth and the cadavers that would be thrown into it. The stench of this place would be unimaginable. It was as close to a, a depiction of hell as you could possibly get on earth. Wild dogs would live here and they would scavenge on just about everything, including probably even human remains. Uh, last week we heard about the Canaanite or Seraphonician woman uh, and how Jesus calls her a dog. This is the kind of dog the Jews meant. Uh, and, and one of the reasons the Jews hated the Canaanite or, or Seraphonicians so much was because of the atrocities the Canaanite gods were known for. Of course, if you've got a burning garbage pit with human bodies, another thing that's going to be hanging around will be flies. One of the names that the Jewish people developed for the devil was the Lord of the Flies, or Beelzebub. In our gospel lesson, Jesus has driven out a demon. He's literally working to cast out hell, and yet some in the crowd think that Jesus is either working with or for Beelzebul, the Lord of the flies, the devil. Uh, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew even implies that some actually thought Jesus himself was Beelzebul, the devil. Of course, the idea that Jesus would be casting out demons by the power of the devil is ridiculous. The devil is evil, but he's not stupid. Uh, he's not going to fight against himself. Jesus can't be working for the devil. So Jesus says, and this is where Abraham Lincoln gets his famous line, a kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and a house divided against itself falls. And then Jesus tells a parable about the devil's house, about the devil's kingdom. The Bible calls the devil the prince of this world. This world is the devil's kingdom. The armor of Satan is sin. And the armor is that he gets Christians to sin. And there is peace there. There is peace in sin. There is fulfillment in sin. And there is a peace in the devil's kingdom, especially before Christ, the stronger man, comes. Because when Christ comes, he exposes the works of the devil. He exposes our sin, our filth, our frailty, who we are by nature. There is a peace in the devil's kingdom, but it is a false peace. 
And yet sometimes we want this peace. We want to pretend everything is okay. We want the peace of the world. If only we had something to remind us that this world cannot offer true peace. If only we had Gehenna or, or hell, a flaming garbage dump just outside our house. But wait a minute. We do, don't we? It was one year ago, liturgically speaking, on the third Sunday in Lent, that the pandemic and the lockdown restrictions started arriving here in Wisconsin. I've heard more than one person compare these last days to a dumpster fire, a flaming dumpster. Suddenly, it was hard for anyone to pretend things were okay. We saw the world as the devil's kingdom, the devil's house, a world which is cursed and doomed to death and destruction. And I was so encouraged by all of you on that Sunday one year ago. It was almost our highest attended service of 2020. You know that the Lord in his house gives a peace that the world cannot give. And we were reminded together on that day that God guards his house and he will not let anything happen to it. When Christ comes, he brings a different kind of kingdom. A kingdom not of this world under law and restriction, but under grace and freedom. And it's a freedom most of all from sin, death, and the devil. Christ says, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The phrase finger of God is used only four times in the Bible. The first is in Exodus 8, is our Old Testament lesson. When God tells Pharaoh to let his people go and he sends the plague of lice, Pharaoh's magicians realized that the plague was not Moses merely messing around, but was none other than the work of the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. He wanted to pretend everything was okay. So rather than repenting in the face of the pandemic, Pharaoh tried to stand up against God. In Hebrew, the word plague comes from the verb nagah, which means to touch. God simply touches Pharaoh with his finger. And it's as if, as one commentator says, there were ten consecutive divine punches pulverizing Pharaoh's face until he was KO'd, knocked out on the mat. Pharaoh, with all his might, with the most powerful and high-tech army in the world, could not stand up against the finger of God. God is a man of war. Woe to anyone who is not with him. The one who is not with me is against me, Jesus says. You either belong to God or to the devil. And this is not a matter of how good or moral we are. It's a tragedy that Christianity in the modern day has been equated with mere morality. It is not a matter of works, but of trust, of faith. As we heard St. Paul say in our epistle lesson this morning. It's a matter of where you build your house. Your trust, your house, 
is either in God or the devil. Because at the same time, we are sinners who by each and every sin fall into misbelief and give ourselves over to the devil. Every broken promise, every unkind word, every evil thought, every single sin is a return to the kingdom of the devil. And yet, we are also saints who are justified completely by the work of Jesus. The only reason you and I do not end up having our houses attacked, plundered, and thrown into the pit of hell ourselves is because one of these two is stronger than the other. And by no means are we the strong one. If we think we are, that's when we open ourselves up to attack. That's when we open ourselves up to the robbing, the plundering of our salvation itself. If you think you don't have to worry about your sin or your faith, but that you're strong enough, that's exactly when the devil strikes. The devil is stronger than you are. The devil is stronger than me. But Christ is stronger yet. And Christ puts even the devil to work for him. After Pharaoh's magicians realized the plague was by the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart was still hard, God sent another plague. And what plague was this? A plague of flies. When Jesus says that he drives out demons by the finger of God, he is mocking the Lord of the flies. Not even the devil himself has control of something as little as a fly. So how much less does the devil have control over anything else, including plagues? Even plagues, while bad and in and of themselves, are used by God for his good purposes. As Bogiert says in Faith Alone, God links the deeds of the devil so that even they serve his divine justice and retribution. Even the evil done in the world by sinners, murder, theft, rebellion, injustice, can and is used by God for the good of sinners. This is a plague on hell. Hell cannot win no matter what. The devil cannot win no matter how hard he tries or what temptations he throws at sinners. The devil's fiercest weapons are nothing compared to Christ. Christ is the stronger man who takes away what the devil thought he possessed. The devil thought he had us when Jesus' disciples fall away, when the crowd shout to crucify him, when Pontius Pilate nails him to the cross, when Jesus breathed his last breath. The devil thought his kingdom was secure. But the devil wasn't prepared that God fights to the death. He fights for you. The casting out of a demon was only plague number one on hell. Christ's death is the ultimate plague against hell. St. John Chrysostom in his great Easter vigil sermon put it this way. You, O oh hell, were placed in turmoil by him encountering you below. Hell was in turmoil having been eclipsed. Hell was in turmoil having been mocked. Hell was in turmoil having been destroyed. 
Hell was in turmoil, having been abolished. Hell was in turmoil, having been made captive. Hell grasped a corpse and met God. Hell seized earth and encountered heaven. Hell took what it saw and was overcome by what it could not see. While the world, which belongs to the devil, fears what they cannot see, demons, plagues, viruses, death, Christians see with the eyes of faith a light that has overcome all darkness. We say with the psalm writer, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. We look to faith to God, and in him we build our house. And through his word and sacraments, Christ promises that he guards his own house and will not let you be overcome. Through baptism, you die daily with Christ. Our baptismal rite actually includes an exorcism, a renunciation of the devil. Your baptism is not your doing, but it is the finger of God. Your baptism is a plague on hell. Each and every time we return to baptism, by receiving the forgiveness of all your sins and absolution, your absolution is a plague on hell. You're coming to church to encourage each other with the word of God in spite of the fears of the world. That is a plague on hell. You're receiving of Christ's body and blood, being touched on the lips by Christ himself, the finger of God. That is a plague on hell. Christ protects his house, and this means that nothing can overcome it. Not plagues, not corrupt leaders, even if his house seems very small and the majority of this world is set against it, nothing can hinder God's kingdom. God's kingdom will and does come. 500 years ago, Martin Luther wrote to comfort those during the Black Plague, and I shared this a year ago. Because of what Christ has done, Luther said, this is what you can say to the devil. If you can terrorize, O devil, Christ can strengthen. If you can kill, Christ can give life. If you have poison in your fangs, Christ has far greater medicine. Let Christ prevail. So trust in Christ and don't fear the devil. He has no power over you. Trust in Christ and don't fear death. For in Christ, to die is gain. Don't fear the world. Don't fear your sin. Don't even fear hell. For the gates of hell itself cannot overpower Christ's kingdom, the church of God. You're in God's house and the plagues on hell. In Jesus' name, amen.